Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn with me to the book of Isaiah. We're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 61 this morning. And I hope you're enjoying this season of Advent that we are in. We are quickly approaching Christmas. We are two weeks away. And so it seems like every season around the holidays goes quickly. And that is no different this year, with even, even with everything that's happening in our world. But I am thankful for this season of Advent and our intentional desire to try to slow things down a little bit and remember that it's in this season that we are waiting and longing for our Rescuer to come and that it's with His arrival that we find hope and peace. And now this morning we celebrate that we can find joy. And so we're going to begin this morning by reading from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and then verses 8 through 10. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that that have been devastated for generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people that the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. This is the Word of God for the people of God, and our response is always, thanks be to God. So this morning as we continue in this season of Advent, we do get to talk about joy. And it seems like no matter where you look this time of year, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're going, this season of December, this month of December, is one that we expect a little bit of extra joy mixed in. That is the expectation. There's Christmas music playing everywhere in the stores. There are houses that are decorated inside and out. People we don't know wish us Merry Christmas. You can do something as simple as go through the drive-thru at Bigby and you are likely to be handed a cup that wishes you Merry Christmas or has some kind of message of joy on it. If you need coffee as much as I do, uh, you know that joy and coffee are synonymous, and so you're not sure why they wait until this time of the year to tell you that. But regardless, um, we can call it glad tidings, Christmas cheer, or holiday spirit. But outside of any religious connection at all, there is still an implicit expectation that this, there is something joyous about this holiday season. Our son Owen 
is four. And so it, it seems like this is the first year that he really understands all the Christmas commotion. And let me tell you this morning, he loves Christmas. He loves everything about Christmas. He's kind of like our little Christmas elf. He loves the cookies and the hot chocolate, the tree, the presents. I think half my house is wrapped in wrapping paper right now. But one of his favorite things to do is, is to drive around and look at Christmas lights. And so, of course, we try to drive around and find all the best displays. And so we've done the celery flats. We've done the library. We found some really, really good neighborhoods that have some awesome light displays. And then we've even gone as far as Scott's for the holiday house out there. And um, it really doesn't matter because he loves them all. It doesn't matter where we go. A house could have a Charlie Brown Christmas tree with, with one light on it. And from the sheer glee in the back seat, you would think he's seen the most beautiful thing. The kid loves his Christmas lights. And so it's been fun, and we've enjoyed those moments of pure joy as a family this Christmas season. But if I can be honest with you this morning, I have to say that I really wrestled with our theme of joy for this Sunday. Because joy is tough. For most of us in 2020, this has been one of the more challenging seasons that we can remember and I don't, I don't want you to hear me wrong this morning because there have been so many things that have been great about this year. So many things worth celebrating, even in the midst of the challenges and the pain. So many things that we should celebrate. But it does feel like this Christmas and this season, there's a little bit of tension between the things that we are celebrating this morning and joy and the things that are happening in our world. Joy is, is kind of tricky because I think we've all heard it explained that joy and happiness are are very different things. And that happiness comes when we experience good things in our life. Happiness tends to be more temporary and more fleeting depending on our circumstances, maybe on our relationships or whether or not we're having success. But joy is supposed to be more stable than happiness, right? Less dependent on those external factors. Joy is supposed to stick with us. But joy is tough because no matter what definition you look up for joy, it's almost always still described as an emotion, as something that you feel. And it very well may be true that our joy is based on something more real and solid and lasting than than those circumstantial things that we attribute happiness to. But our emotions and our happiness are hard to define. And I think it's safe to say, especially in a year like 2020, that our emotions and our feelings are hard to define. We know that we are to be people of joy, that that joy is this fruit of the Spirit that is produced in us as we follow Christ. We are to be known by our joy. But this morning, I also think it's okay for us to admit that we're, we're in a unique place this Christmas. We're living in that tension between 2020 and this season of Advent that helps us to celebrate and remember the deepest source of our joy. I told you that our son Owen loves his Christmas lights, and so that means he's always asking, Dad, when can we go look at the lights again? Dad, can we go find some more Christmas lights? And so one morning, we're sitting around the the breakfast table right out of bed, and, and he says, hey, Dad, after breakfast, can we go look at Christmas lights? And so I had to explain to him that lights really only show up when it's dark outside. And we have to wait because lights shine best in the darkness. 
And so this morning, my hope is that as we look at this incredible message of in-breaking joy for us, that was said to be great, no, great joy for all people everywhere, that we, we could remember that as people who are living in 2020, that it is in the darkness that light shines the brightest. And that it is in our deepest, darkest, even most challenging situations that the joy of Jesus continues to come, not just to us, but to those in our world who desperately need it so much right now. The passage that we read from Isaiah this morning was written to some people who were familiar with some pretty significant darkness and who needed some joy. For the people of Israel, their last several hundred years had not been very good to them. Their leadership had failed them. They'd experienced bad king after bad king after bad king. Corrupt leadership eventually led to their downfall, and they were taken over by foreign empires. They had been captives to both Assyria and Babylon, and then they were exiled from their home. And through all of this, they would have begun to wonder, where is God in all of this? If we're supposed to be God's chosen, His special people, if we're supposed to be this light to the nations, where is God in all of this? And so Israel is long overdue for some good news. They need some joy. And so it's around this time that Isaiah is writing our passage that they finally do get some good news. They're told that they will be allowed to return from exile. The Persians have taken over and King Cyrus has decided that the people of Israel will be allowed to return home. And so this is great news for them. It's news that they needed for sure. But it it wasn't all good news for them. Because when they got home to Jerusalem, they found that their city was in ruins. They, They find their temple is destroyed. And so they have to rebuild their homes. They have to rebuild their place of worship. And it's during those years when they were away, some other people came along and moved in. And so they come home and they have new neighbors that they don't know. And and these new neighbors, they don't really see eye to eye with them on a lot of things. They have different values and priorities. And they don't really understand why it's such a big deal that they would want to rebuild this thing called the temple. And so even though the people of Israel were allowed to return to Jerusalem, it looks nothing like the home that they remember. Nothing was normal. And so the people of God are home, but they still feel very lost and very in the dark. And so it's into this chaotic situation and into this overwhelming world that the prophet Isaiah preaches words not just of hope, not just of peace, but also words of joy. That hope is here for the brokenhearted. Freedom is is here for the captives, that prisoners will be released, their city will be rebuilt and renewed, and that their sadness will turn to joy. And then Isaiah begins to talk about something called the year of the Lord's favor in verse 2. And and it's a big deal. And the year of the Lord's favor is just another way of saying the year of jubilee. And so this morning, we need to pause here for just a second uh, to talk about this year of jubilee, what it is and, and why it matters. So stick with me here for just a second, because we've got to talk about the law of Moses in Leviticus, okay? So in the law of Moses, Leviticus, everyone's favorite book that I know you're reading around the holidays, it, it commands this year of jubilee that is to take place every 50 years. 
And the purpose of the year of Jubilee was to reset the entire economic system and to keep the rich from exploiting the poor. And so in a year of Jubilee, the books would be wiped clean. It was a year of release. Debts were to be forgiven. Prisoners were to be set free. If at any point you were forced to sell family land because of a situation of poverty, you would get your land back in a year of Jubilee. So imagine the joy, imagine the relief and the freedom that would come with this. You would no longer be captive to anyone. You would no longer owe anyone anything. Regardless of the depth of your debt or the darkness of your current circumstances, you would be declared free in a year of Jubilee. And so the year of Jubilee would have proclaimed the arrival of hope and joy and grace It was always something that would have been celebrated. But to a group of people who knew all too well what it was to lose their family land and to be captives, Isaiah's announcement of the year of the Lord's favor or this year of Jubilee would have been especially great news. Because yes, they were going to have to rebuild. Yes, it was going to be a totally different world than they were used to. But they got to begin again with jubilee, with freedom, with a clean slate and a fresh start. And so these words that Isaiah has written are full of the hope and also the joy that the people of Israel needed during this time of return from exile. But this morning we also know that these words point to something beyond that, to something and someone who was still yet to come. Because remember, Israel has a track record of of having bad king after bad king after bad king, and then a period of having no king at all when they were in exile. And so they long for the day when they will once again be led by a good king. Throughout the book of Isaiah, the authors repeatedly speak of this mystery character, of of a coming Messiah, a coming king. In our passage this morning, we're told that it is with this mystery character that the year of the Lord's favor, this year of Jubilee, will come and bring freedom and a new beginning. And so for the people of Israel, when they heard these words from Isaiah that God has anointed this person, they very well may have thought of Cyrus, the king of the Persians, who no doubt did bring joy and freedom to them in that time, rescuing them from their their exile. But this morning we get to celebrate and we know that these words spoke of another king. And so I want to read for us from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on Him. He began by saying to them, Today this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so Jesus, 
to a group of people who've spent hundreds of years waiting and hoping and longing for their coming King, God's anointed One to come, is announcing that a King is here. And with that King has come the year of the Lord's favor. This new King is bringing this season of Jubilee. And really, if we know Jesus, if we, if we listen to Jesus' words, we know He didn't just come to bring a limited season of Jubilee. But He came to bring an eternal kingdom of this freedom and this hope where captives are freed, where debts are forgiven, where the poor become rich, where eyes are open, where mercy reigns and where grace is given freely. This is good news that the people of Israel had been waiting for. And we know that throughout the history of God's relationship with humanity, people have been required to wait, to be patient, to expect and long for God to arrive. For Israel, waiting is something that they were kind of used to. They waited in Egypt. They waited in exile. And then even after their return, they waited 500 years between when these words were written by Isaiah and when the coming king actually arrived. They knew what it was to wait. They also knew how to need joy in the midst of their times of waiting. Eugene Peterson wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's a phenomenal book, but in it he devotes an entire chapter to this subject of joy, and he explains that we find joy in two ways. By looking back and by looking forward. In looking back, we remember how God has been faithful even in the toughest times of our life. We remember how He's carried us through the pain. We remember how He's blessed us and provided when we weren't sure how we were going to get through. Peterson says, joy has a history. And so we can look back at the faithfulness of God and how God has consistently been at work in our life and we can find joy in that. But then he also says that we find joy by looking forward. And that we can celebrate and draw joy from the fact that as God has been, we can expect that God will forever be. And so we look forward to and anticipate the joy that God will bring to our lives. And so this morning, I suspect that many of us are in a place that might be similar to where the people of Israel were. We've experienced the goodness of God throughout our life. We know that He's with us. We know that He will be faithful in the future. And yet right now, we kind of feel like we're stuck in the middle. Waiting. Hoping. Anticipating. We're waiting for for answers. We're waiting for God to provide. We're waiting maybe for a vaccine. We're waiting for some sense of normalcy. I was talking to someone earlier this week and we acknowledged that it's probably a good thing that we were not told in March that this pandemic was going to last as long as it has. We've, we've been waiting for a while. And waiting is hard. But the good news about this season of Advent that we're in is that it is a balancing act of, of waiting and sitting in the tension of knowing where we're at and what we're experiencing, what we're going through, but also knowing what is coming. And this is really good news when it comes to joy. Because it means that we're not only invited 
to celebrate joy when we have it in spades, but it also means that we can be honest about when we desperately need it. Peterson says, joy comes because God knows how to wipe away tears and in His resurrection work, create a new smile of joy. Joy comes because God knows how to wipe away tears and in His resurrection work, create the smile of new life. We don't just celebrate joy when we already have it, but also in those times, maybe like right now, when we need it the most. And so this morning as we close, I want to leave you with, with two questions that I hope that you can wrestle with this week. They're, they're questions that have stuck with me all week as I've prepared this, and they're questions I'll wrestle with throughout this season. The first is, where do I need an advent of joy? Where do I need God to show up? Where do I need to remember that, that God is a God of jubilee, who gives new beginnings, who redeems, who restores, who brings hope and new life? We're all in, in different places right now. We all need God to be at work in our lives in different ways. But in Advent, we celebrate that we have a God who shows up in the midst of our darkness. And that joy comes to us because we have a God who does wipe away our tears and helps us find joy in those seasons of waiting, healing, and hoping. So where do you need an advent of joy? The second question is, where can I bring an advent of joy? Into what circumstances and relationships can I bring Jubilee this Christmas season? Because if we believe the words of Jesus, that He came to be the fulfillment of the year of the Lord's favor, and that in Jesus, Jubilee is offered freely and fully, that means that as followers of Christ, we are invited to be people of Jubilee, who not only have our debts canceled, we're not just released from our captivity, but we participate in this jubilee, in giving it to others. We are called to bring jubilee to others, to be present with those who mourn, to, to bring light into darkness, to long for justice in our world, and to live with such grace and mercy that others may also see and know the joy of Jesus. And so this Christmas, where... Do we need an advent of joy in our lives? Where do we need Jesus to show up? And then where can we bring an advent of joy to others? Because as followers of Christ, we are we're people of joy. But not because everything is fine. Not because we don't experience the questions and the frustrations and the pain that the rest of the world does. But because we know we know that our joy has a history and we've seen God's faithfulness in the past. But we also look forward to what He's going to do in the future. And we can hold on to both of those things in the present because our anointed King has come. And with Him, He's brought a kingdom of jubilee that offers hope and peace, restoration, grace, and this good news of great joy for all people. It's for you. It's for me. Will we allow joy to come to us? Will we bring joy to others this holiday season? Would you join me as we pray?
Lord Jesus, we do thank You for being our joy. For being a God of of jubilee. And that even in our seasons of life, when we feel like we're waiting, when we're in the dark, we don't have all the answers. We know that we have a God who is good. Who came to us. Who continues to come to us. And I pray that You would help us to remember how You've been faithful in the past. Help us to trust that You will be faithful. I pray that we would find joy even in our seasons of waiting. And that we would, we would run toward the joy of our salvation and rejoice in the good news that is not just good news for us, but for the entire world that is longing and looking for hope and joy. May our joy draw others to your kingdom, your kingdom of jubilee that declares freedom and release and gives new beginnings to all. So in your name we pray. Amen. And now may I send you out with this blessing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him that you may overflow with hope by the power of His Holy Spirit. Would you go in His peace, share His joy. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.